This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy you're here. Happiness Solved is the place where we explore everything you need to become the best possible version of you. This is Sandy Scarlatta, and today I've got some exciting news for our dedicated listeners. We've just launched our exclusive members-only portal. This is your ticket to a world of additional content designed to deepen your understanding and engagement with the Happiness Solved mission. To learn more about all of the exciting benefits, stay tuned until the end of the episode where I will explain in greater detail. For those interested now, head over to happinesssolved.supercast.com. Today is another amazing conversation, so let's get started. Dr. Rob Kelly, what a delight. You are like the two seconds that we had before I hit record. You are just so delightful. Thank oh, you so much. Thank for you, Sandy. There. Of course. As soon as you said, listen, Sandy needs you on this time at this day, I'm like, hell yes, I'm on. Thank you. Thank you so much for being flexible with me. Um, all right. So this is going to be an amazing conversation because you are a you have your PhD. And you're a sought-after recovery expert who believes in treating the causes of addiction and not the symptoms. I love that. You've been all over television, lots of interviews. My goodness. Um, first of all, where are you from? Because I love your accent, and I, I would guess I would guess it totally wrong. I would say Australia, but see, I'm probably wrong. Most people say that, yeah. Hi, guys. Dr. Rob Cow here. Great to see you. Uh, I'm from Manchester in England. Okay. Uh, and I, I've been over here 18 years now, uh, 14 in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, where I resided and I practiced there. And then uh, San Antonio, Texas for the last four years where we came to retire, but we never did. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> I mean, who wants to retire? If you're doing good work in the world, just, my gosh, what else are you going to do all day, right? I know. Well, my dad always said that the day you retire is the day you die. And I've seen that so many times. So, you know, what's my job? Sat in front of a computer speaking to people, maybe a couple of office visits, you know, I do four hours a day. What's there to retire from? There's no things to retire from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what is your backstory? How did you get into the work that you do? And why did you specifically choose um, addiction and recovery? Great question. Well, I'm actually a, a, a recovered alcoholic and addict. Okay. So my alcoholism took everything away from me. My uh, my wife, my kids, uh, my youngest one, 30 years on, still haven't seen since the age of one. Uh, so, yeah, I suffered badly uh, growing up in Manchester. My, my first drink was at the age of nine on a oh. stage in Liverpool playing with a musical family. Um, and my alcoholism kicked off from there. The only unfortunate thing about alcoholism back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s is no medical person knew anything about it, and they still don't today. The neuroscience behind the addiction is mind-blowing, especially alcoholism is mind-blowing. It differs from drug addiction, and we'll get into that later. So, yeah, I was homeless for 14 months. Mm. Uh, and you actually not couch surfing actually lived under trees and in bus shelters uh, for 14 months and fought every day fighting to survive and money to get alcohol and stealing food and you know all that stuff and and on seven times I tried to commit suicide and on two occasions it worked mm. my heart stopped and the EMTs brought me back to life uh, twice so yeah I was uh, 
it was a horrible journey. And it's, uh, I wouldn't wish the journey on anybody, but, and I say but with experience and wisdom, on the streets for me, the 14 months on, on the streets was like a semester at Harvard University because of what I'd learned there. Mm. So people say today all the time, what do you know, Dr. Rob? You know, living in that big house, I've seen your cars, you drive and stuff. What do you know? You've never been homeless. And I go, sit down, let me talk to you about that. You've never lost your kids, sit down. You never stabbed your wife because she won't let you finish vodka, sit down. I've been through all of that stuff and it makes me the powerhouse I am today. It yeah. took me a long time to say that, by the way, guys. Don't tell that ego, take your confidence of walking with God and everything I do today. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my backstory back home in uh, Manchester, England. Whoa, powerful, powerful stuff. And thank you so much for being so transparent because people need to hear that, right? Um, I too had my own journey with addiction um, and I became addicted to cocaine and uh, my life hit rock bottom back in January of 1990. So I'm coming up on 34 years and um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting thing. It's a very interesting journey. Um, and my brother was homeless for on and off for decades. And he's finally has been sober for about four years now. And he has his own wow. place to live. And, you know, fortunately, where we live, there's programs, county programs that really helped him, you know, take charge of his life. But uh so yeah, I've I've seen that. I've seen that firsthand. Um, I haven't experienced homelessness. And you know what? We all need to think that with a grain of salt because it just takes one bad mistake to push you over the edge to to being in that situation. It does, you know. People people say to me, God, I've never been homeless, thank God for that. And have you haven't you though? Because living in in, in the mental uh capacity that we were living in during our addiction. You're probably the loneliest person in the world. Just because you had a bed to go to or a couch to stay in doesn't mean you have the mentality of being abandoned. So right. alcohol and drugs have 1% to do with alcoholism and addiction. That's the latest neuroscience that we have done over the last 15 years, find out what it's about. So <clears throat> we get abandoned on the streets. I was abandoned on the streets. No one took my call. Nobody would speak to me and the feeling. But I would have got that feeling in a million-dollar apartment. That's right. That's enough neglect of a banner. Oh, he's done it again. You know, uh, <clears throat> so when my kids were taking off me, I, I was living in a, in a beautiful house, you know, new Mercedes every 12 months. I was on six big six figures back in the 80s. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I was the loneliest person in the world and the saddest person in the world. And I didn't want to live anymore because I, I discovered one thing, Sandy, and that was it. I couldn't live with alcohol and I couldn't live without it. That was the bottom line. And alcohol right. is the most important thing. So when I went to my doctor and said, hey, da, 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 he says, oh, you're an alcoholic. I got a problem with that. First of all, alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. That's so right. Wise, do not make an alcoholic warning from the doctor. That's so right. that was strike number one. Number two, he, he just said, try and, stop, try and stop drinking. Well, if you are a real alcoholic, not a heavy drinker or abuser, if you're a real alcoholic, that is impossible to do. And we'll get into it later about the three parts of the brain that tell us different to anybody else in the world why we do. So yeah, it's uh, a rock bomb could be in a million dollar house. That's right. That's right. And, and what people have to recognize is that, you know, happiness comes from inside. 
It's <clears throat> the external things, which is why I have this platform to let people know that it's a choice and you always have that choice. However, when you're dealing with alcoholism and addiction, it's much easier said than done. Why is that? Because the people don't know what alcohol, let's just say alcoholism, we, we mean drug addiction as well. Okay. Nobody really knows what alcoholism is, or it's very few people. So why can't you stop drinking your kids? Just stop drinking because you're your wife. Just stop, you've lost your job again. Just stop drinking. Yeah, you, we can't do that. Okay, so we have to look at the complex uh, position and, and psychological effect that the disease has. And it is a disease. Uh, it's a bio biochemical reaction to the ethanol in alcohol is what it all kicks. Plus, it's a predisposition. Drug addiction is not alcoholism is. So that's the differ quite from alcohol and drugs. But it's just a mis misunderstanding of what's really going on. Every, I hear all the time, the doctor have a relapse on Friday. And I go, no, you didn't. Go, no, no, I did. I go, you re relapsed a week ago, buddy, or 10 days ago. Wow. There's something changed in your behavior or your mental capacity, neural pathway started to self-sabotage a week or 10 days ago, and the drink was just inevitable, the final you know, thing you're gonna do for self-sabotage. Um, it's kind of a symptom, not the cause. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just very misunderstood. And when I get onto programs and, or lecture at universities uh, and uh, hospitals about this, they are absolutely taken back with what I tell them. It's not about alcohol. It never was about the alcohol. So what is it then? And how can people recognize it if, if they're struggling with that? <clears throat> when I put alcohol into my body, I react a lot different to my neighbor. Okay. <clears throat> so let's look what happens. So if alcoholism is a predisposition, that means we're allergic to it. Alcoholism is the only allergy we get. You don't get allergy in drug addiction or food, cake, sex, porn. It's only alcoholism. So what happens is I'm predisposed to that from a family passed down. And when I first take the alcohol, it kicks off that. I have a mental obsession, which tells me that I need to drink alcohol. I'll scheme to get alcohol. That's the first thing that happens. And people say, I crave for alcohol. Well, if you've been sober for a couple of months, it's impossible. You can't crave for anything that's not already inside your body. So that's striking. Okay. So then okay. what happens? The hypothalamus is part of the brain that's our survival instinct. Babies mm -hmm. have it from birth. They know they need to eat, they put the hand in the mouth or cry because the belly hurts and want to drink water. It's basic human needs. I have to drink water and eat food to survive. Everybody knows that. With alcoholics, what happens is the hypothalamus is great to start with and through life it starts and then you might be drinking, it still does its job, but all of a sudden during that drinking career, the hypothalamus turns around and tells alcoholics to drink alcohol only. That's why we can go days or weeks without food or water. So we've got that going on. The basal ganglia, which is kind of our repetition, you know, a pilot needs 10,000 hours in the air. That's the repetition we get. So when he, when he finally is let out on his own, he can do it blindfolded almost because it's set in the brain of learning something. What happens with the alcoholic and the drug addict is there's a default. So if you can imagine a clock face, uh, you know, 10 after, everything's going good. We get the wife back, you know, we get the job back, the car's okay. I get a promotion at work and about 10 to the hour, bang, we self-sabotage for no reason at all. Like nobody can give me, give me a reason. Yeah, it's big, no, it's an excuse. Give me a reason why you realize. You can't do it because the two parts of the brain are telling us. Then the biggest gateway drug in the world is childhood trauma. And don't yes. listen to therapists who tell you it's a plane crash. Yeah. Nah, this was my childhood, well, part of my childhood trauma. 
How many times have I told you you can't go to college, you're too stupid? That killed me on several occasions. So it distorts. So what we do is the amygdala draws and the trauma stored in our subconscious brain. So we're not aware of it every day, but the prefrontal cortex here, and this is the disease part of it, whose only job is to come up with a solution as quick as it possibly can. The only problem is it doesn't have to be the right solution. So when this and this is crying out to drink, this thought pattern goes straight to the subconscious brain. A piece of crap will never be any good. Well, I'm an alcoholic anyway. What sign of father was you? And that's where the alcohol puts inside the body. But that happens weeks before. When the alcohol is inside the body, the brain and the prefrontal cortex has done its job. Now I get sick if I don't drink alcohol. So I'll have to continue to drink it and I can't stop on my own. Three, three reasons I'll stop on my own. Death, which I can't, you know, twice it happened to me, being locked in prison or being put in a, a treatment center and locked up. But, you know, apart from that, and, I, and, the, and the, the, uh, the treatment center industry is around four to five percent success rate and 12 step groups are sitting at two to three percent. So what's going on? Stop teaching people to stop drinking and taking drugs. Not the problem. Mm-hmm. So what is the solution then? And the solution, people- yeah, the solution is this, is, you know, we have to change the way you think. We have to recircuit the brain away from self-sabotage, hard behavior, and we have to get rid of the childhood trauma and clear that up. We call it going back to the scene of the crime. Now, that might be buried deep, but why, do you, why does Jimmy hate Jimmy so much? Why, when while drinking, Jimmy can't look into the mirror. Why has Jimmy never been successful? And you find out that they, they, this learned behavior and measurement from caregivers, not their fault. I want to put that out there. Not their fault because it's generational. Mm-hmm. Learned behavior. My, my dad was strong and hit me, so I'll be strong and hit me. It's like the chain has to be broken somewhere. Right. So that's the deal. Then we have to look at behavior, central nervous system, is what, what's my reaction to certain things. And then we have to learn where, where's my relapse really and what's going on really. And when you find out that, you can permanently, like me, recover from alcoholism and addiction. So I'm a recovered alcoholic. So the first thing people say to me is, hey, you can't recover and be whenever cured of alcoholism. Well, recover and cured are two different things. Okay. So first of all, let's look at cure. There's no cure for alcoholism. There's no cure for the common cold or food poisoning. Right. Simple as that. Right. Okay. So we can't do that. Recovered. Uh, look in the Oxford English Dictionary where that book, six of them went to Oxford University, they used the book. Recovered means to gain one's health, I'm no longer sick, and state of mind. Step two, being restored to sanity. When I'm in that place, the compulsion to drink was taken away. I've completed my trauma, so I'm never going to go back and be that little scared kid, nine-year-old looking for help or getting bullied or being told he was a piece of crap. Never going to go there again. So what happens then is the subconscious brain does not run the show anymore. When all the bad stuff's hidden, my conscious brain, which is where we get 24 hours at a time, it's not an AA thing, it goes way before that. If we live in 24 hours at a time, all of our decisions are correct. Tie that with the gut feeling. The gut feeling always right. So while we're in the gut, two chemicals out of the four chemicals every day to make us happy are serotonin and dopamine created in the gut. If you're not eating right, you will never be 100% happy. Serotonin. Now let's look at dopamine. The, the depression in America as a whole is classified uh, of, of being, you know, uh, lack of serotonin, lack of dopamine. 
that's what it comes down to. So when you go to the doctor, you get SSRI. It's a, it's a serotonin it gives you to boost your, your mood back up, but then you can't depend on that because it stops our normal serotonin. Why isn't anybody asking the question why my serotonin is low in the first place? So oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, endorphins need to happen every single day. So with a mixture of all that gets to a place where you can be 100% you instead of running on a 45% you. And so you're, what you're suggesting is that diet and what we put into our bodies, <clears throat> because if it's starting in the gut, or did I misunderstand that? Or No, it's right. And what we eat is so okay. important. But I mean, you look, look I mean, I'm, I love America. I was, I've become a citizen about two years ago. I take it very seriously. Uh, but you got to look at the food source in America. So let's look, at, let's look at the worst ever. Let's look, let's look at French McDonald's French fries. Okay? Oh. In England, there's two ingredients in McDonald's. Two ingredients. In America, there's 27 ingredients. And one of those is sugar. Yeah. So most of our stuff is uh, we get from the supermarket is sprayed in cornstarch and, and other likes to keep it preserved. They're dangerous to us. Oils that people use, or you get cooking oils, fresh oil, it's banana oil. It's a lot of crap. You know, that story comes from Rockefeller because he was big into oil and feeding the engines of the trains. And when they went away, they had to do something with it. So they're convinced a health organization that they made up of their people that oil was good for cooking and stuff. It, you know, you've got to look at the stuff we're putting in. So interestingly enough, people say, oh, uh, I've got inflammation on my knee. It's a family thing, got passed down. It's a generation. Oh, I've got bad heart. It's impossible to carry inflammation of the knee or heart problems down to your son. It's, in, it's, it's, it's impossible. But what happens is a deficiency within our food source. So if father, you know, was eating, let's say, cooking oil every day, frying his stuff in it, but the body can't metabolize or methylate that substance, then it causes a problem in the body. So that's what's passed down, not the actual injury. And the other thing we have to remember is the presence, the presence of oxygen equals the absence of disease. Every disease in our body, every inflammation, every depression, every cancers, everything is created in a hypoxic area of the body. Why is that? We only breathe 25% of our lung capacity. The body can't survive on that. You know, the body becomes hypoxic and then we're open to diseases. The only reason you feel good when you go to the gym, okay? Not because of the workout. Nobody feels good just doing this. This is why you feel good. It's the, it's the oxygen and, and, and people yeah. kind of put this down. It's like, it's so important that you do your breath work every morning. Not your meditation breath work, that is good. But I'm talking about it's 10 deep, exaggerated breaths in. <sighs> because when you get the oxygen flowing, it's a different volcano. Yeah. Well, as you know, we were supposed to meet last week and my mother ended up in the hospital. And part of the reason, and it's so interesting because I, when I noticed that they had her on oxygen because she wasn't getting enough oxygen and it caused so many other problems. I can't tell you how many times since that day I have heard this same concept and I never really put it together, right? Yeah. Um, but that was part of the reason that she, yeah. was, she wasn't, getting, wasn't getting the oxygen. Yeah, and if we start yeah. that now today, I give you four things when we finish before we finish of how you can change your life from tomorrow. Uh, but if we do the morning work, includes the oxygen, 
you'll feel healthy, you'll think clearer, your body will be able to protect yourself more because all the cells are running around with oxygen, not just 25% of your body. Um, it, it's a game changer. It really is. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> That's incredible. Incredible. Thank you so what's much. The first, for that. What's the first thing they do, Sandy? You take you in an ambulance, put the oxygen on. What's That's the first thing they do in the hospital, put the oxygen on? Why do they do that? Because we're lacking oxygen. It's one of the reasons no human yeah. being wakes up laughing in the morning. It's lack of oxygen. So when we get up, wow. when he's gone into that REM sleep, it also repair time between the hours of two and five. It's when most people die of natural causes because our body is at its lowest. So the oxygen is really low. So if you get up in the morning and you're kind of stumbling a rat stop, with the four things I'm going to tell you to do, get that breath work in and you will have a different day completely. Wow. Okay. So we've got breath work and what's the second one? Okay. So <clears throat> get up in the morning, do them 10 exaggerated breaths in and out. <laughs> Like as much as you can, do 10 of them in the morning. Hold on to something, you will get dizzy. If you don't, you're not doing it properly. Stumble into the bathroom after your breath work, you feel pretty good. So we're gonna march into the bathroom. If you're a right-handed teeth brusher, I want you to do one week with your left, one week with your right. Da -da 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 -da. Do that for a month. We're changing neural pathways, okay? Right, The yes. third most important thing is saying, looking in the mirror and saying, I love you 10 times, eye to eye. Now, yes. here's the case. Women do this a lot when they put the makeup on in the morning. They, they lean into the mirror and, do, and they see all the blemishes on them, you know, and they go around that day with their blemishes on their minds, so they're pretty conscious about how they look. Stand six feet away from the mirror and the blemishes disappear. That's right. So we only see what, what other people see. So do, do your mirror work. From there, I love you, I love you 10 times. No other affirmations. On your way out, make your bed. Boom, your life will change from tomorrow, believe me. Wow, that was <clears throat> so powerful. So the breath work, <clears throat> march into the bathroom, <clears throat> brush your teeth, alternate, brushing your teeth, right hand, left hand. And that's so important because it's you're, <clears throat> that's gonna help your brain health too, right? Correct. And then you wanna stand six feet back. So you're seeing what other people see. And you're going to say, I love you 10 times. And then you go make your bed. Love now, if you, it. If you bake, if Eddie's already made, because you have a great wife or girlfriend or a great husband or boyfriend, the other thing you can add is compliment three people every day. Yes. Now, why is that important? Well, it releases dopamine to me and person you are complimenting. So a lot of people say, well, that's can't, it's not possible. Next, try this out, guys. Next time you're in a built-up area of people, okay, look, sneakers are always best. Looks round, see somebody with nice sneakers on. And as you pass it and go, hey, man, nice sneakers. Hey, man, nice sneakers. Four words. Hey, man, nice sneakers. He's going to go, oh, thanks, man. Watch him walk away. He's going to look yeah. down at his shoes at least twice. Yeah. Now you have made his day. So now he's in a great mood. He goes over to wife, goes home to wife or girlfriend because he's in a good mood. She's in a good mood. Mother-in-law calls and because she, and it just goes on and on. That's the effect we can have on people. That's right. It's paying it forward. Paying it forward. And... Actually, I actually did that because I'm a talker. Like I talk to everybody and I was on the train. I was traveling and I was on one of the, the trains that take you from terminal to terminal. And there was this couple in front of me and their shoes were so white, sneaky clean. And I looked at them and I was like, I said, how do you keep them so clean? And I'm like talking and talking, talking. They, they didn't speak English, but they knew exactly what I was saying because I'm pointing at the shoes and they were just smiling. I'm looking at, I'm pointing at my shoes. I'm like, look how dirty mine are. But they were just like gleaming. Yeah. 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 Changing people's yeah. lives. And it's Changing. Anything you can do. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Love that. This has been so amazing. All right. So in the beginning, you were talking about addiction. You said that there's three, you were saying that there was three parts to it. Uh, well, three parts of the brain, which I mentioned, like thalamus, okay. basal ganglia, amygdala, where the trauma, the amygdala is like the smoke alarm for the brain. Them three parts in alcoholics differ from any other addiction. Okay. okay. Alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made. And oh. people are blown away with that. They go, hey, it's all the same. It's not the same. I, I can fully attest to that. <laughs> fully yeah. attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, you know. Um, yeah. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah. So when you find out what that is, when you find out what you're suffering from, because most people don't. I'm an alcoholic. Says who? My doctor. Uh-uh. What says who else? Oh, five DU. Uh-uh. What else? Something happens inside my body when alcohol goes in. And before that, I think that I think differently. Everything is raw around. So <clears throat> I'm stood outside a shop when I'm homeless, Sandy. Uh, I've got a pair of shorts on. I've got a pair of flip-flops. I have a string vest on, t-shirt vest. Uh, I'm sweating profusely and it's minus two. It's snowing. I've got a banging headache. I can't think properly. My hands are shaking like anything. The guy who knows me now, you're not supposed to serve alcohol till 10, but he sees me out there at 5.30 as he normally does. He opens the door, he lets me go, and he shuts the door behind him. On this day is what changed my life pertaining to let's study about alcoholism and addiction because people don't know what it is. I get, I stumbled to the counter. I mean, literally, I can't talk, and my head's banging, and, and I put the 10 pound down, he puts the bottle of vodka on, and this morning I did this, and he... Hey man, thank you. Headaches went, sweats, depression, everything went in literally five seconds. Because you were I, holding the bottle. Not yet, not even opened it. And I looked wow. at the shopkeeper, looked back at me, and back at the shopkeeper, back at me, and I went, holy shit, it's not about the alcohol. And that's what changed everything for me. Was that when you stopped? No, I, I was okay. off for three months. But okay. When, when I finally got off, it was just different stories, you know, like a angel story I got off um <clears throat> that's when I dedicated my life to a finding out what this is because you yeah. don't know what it is you know and b <clears throat> let's involve the family on a daily basis and then let's start getting people well yeah and I studied the neuroscience behind it I've you know I've studied for the last 10-15 years about the neuroscience behind what we're suffering from and how we can permanently fix it when we know how to do that wow wow that's incredible so what do you think about the use of psychedelics to help people <clears throat> recover from childhood trauma? Because <clears throat> I've heard that that I've never tried it myself, but I've heard that that has been very effective in helping people recover with their childhood trauma. And so a lot of veterans, PTSD, <clears throat> things like that. hundred uh, percent. And I, I'm not doing enough research, so I can't be an expert on this guy. So bear with me. But my knowledge so far is if you're a drug addict, uh, you have the addictive personality, it's not going to work. But the normal people suffering from childhood trauma and PTSD, it opens up the mind and the brain to get rid of that uh, trauma from the past. And it's, and it's supposed to be very, very good. But I have no patients that do it. I know my patients uh, that's been through, not all drug, out, drug and alcoholics, just normal people want to better their lives. Uh, I think there's not enough research right now, mm -hmm. medically, but I do think in the next three to five years, it will become the new phenomenon. Yeah. Well, and I do want to just throw out there, I have talked to a few people who are, I've interviewed, I've had two guests so far that 
that's their life's mission is working with people. And, and what I do know that it's critical, critical that it's done in a controlled environment. Yeah. 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 Because if you're just sat at home thinking, I'll turn some LSD to, to get my trial out. Yeah. You're lying to yourself, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This has been such an amazing eye-opening conversation, Dr. Kelly. And thank you so much for joining me today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we finish up? Uh, just on one thing I'd like to plug, I don't plug my my, my business, my book, don't find anything you need, but I really want to plug Rob, the robkellyfoundation.org is the website. Okay. Uh, help us help other people. And the difference between our foundation, which has only been going for about three months, is when you donate, you donate $100, uh, when, and then we give $100 to help somebody, you will get a letter off that person thanking you for the $100 that, and telling you how they use that $100. So everything is managed and everything is all about loving each other. So you get a phone call of the guy going, hey, my name's Peter. You donated $100 uh, to Rob Kelly Foundation. Uh, this is what I did with that $100. Thank you so much. I love that. I know. Oh, my know. gosh. That is a beautiful thing. <clears throat> Yeah, and the rest, don't worry. I have, I have enough money. I have enough patience. I'm all happy. Don't worry about the body. Yeah, that's nothing. I don't need all that stuff. Don't need any more patience, thank you. The foundation, I think we're going to make a difference to uh, millions of people's lives. That's incredible. And thank you for that because knowing that, I mean, that's why, you know, you hear these stories of like Susan G. Komen Foundation, yeah. which started yeah. out as a great cause. And then you look at the bottom line and the CEO is making, you know, seven, $800,000 yeah. a year. <clears throat> I won't donate money to that cause. No, well, why would you? Give no, why? We have three staff working on, on it and they get paid from the Rob Kelly group or they get paid from the Neuro Hero, another, another stuff we have going. Nobody gets paid for the foundation. If you want to come in and work on a foundation, you're going to work free. Nobody gets anything from that. We don't take a dime. So, you know, we get, I don't know, 100,000, let's say, for instance, we can account for every single person that you will get a letter from from that 100,000. We, wow. we don't, we, we've seen it all. I've seen treating a seventh child, little Johnny, five or six times back, the same money, 60 grand, 60. It's like, why would you do that? You know, it's about giving back and helping people. That's right. We're just doing a toy drive now out of our own money and, and in San Antonio. And so if you've got kids and you can't afford it, you know, especially if you want parent families, send me uh, three ideas for your children. Uh, and we'll pick one. We don't. We pick all three. And we get 50 people. And then what we'll do is we'll buy all them presents. And me and my assistant will get dressed up. She's an elf and I'm Santa Claus. And we'll wrap all the things. And we will spend a full day from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. delivering to the children uh, from Santa Claus to the mom and dad who can't afford it. Oh. You're, you're just an incredible human being. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you to everyone who has tuned in today as well. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And as promised, I'd like to give you more details of what you can expect as a member of the Happiness Solved exclusive community. First, you'll have access to a treasure trove of extra podcast episodes. These episodes dive deeper into the topics we discuss, featuring additional expert interviews only found here. But that's not all. As a member, you'll also get access to a series of mindset training sessions. These recordings are tailored to help you understand the how and why your mindset is the most important asset you have 
empowering you to achieve your personal and professional goals. And for those of you looking to find a moment of peace in your busy lives, we've got something special, exclusive guided meditations. These sessions are crafted to help you relax, refocus, and recharge. Whether you're a meditation guru or just starting out, there's something here for everyone. Becoming a member is more than just accessing extra content. It's about joining a community of like-minded individuals all on a journey to live life to its fullest and become the best possible version of you. So how can you join? It's simple. Go to happinesssolved.supercast.com and sign up. Don't miss out on this opportunity to deepen your journey with us. Again, that's happinesssolved.supercast.com. And it will also be in the show, show notes. I am so grateful you're a part of our Happiness Solved family, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your continued support. Again, I am so grateful for you, and I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe, and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.